Thank you, those of you that are taking on the 90-Day Tithe Challenge. We are continuing our series, part three of We Owe It To You. And today's, uh, today's title of today's message is We Owe It To You To Have The Conversation. We owe it to you to have the conversation. Here's why this is important. Because most pastors are afraid to talk about money. Most faith leaders are afraid to talk about money. I've got news for you. Your pastor is not afraid to talk about money. There's different reasons why pastors are afraid to talk about money. Because there's been abuses even within the church, through leaders, through administrations. And we understand that. There's abuses everywhere. I had one guy come up to me one day and say that all the church, all they want is your money. That's why I never go to church. They just want your money. I told him, well, first of all, that's not true. If you come to our church, you'll realize that we spend very little time talking about money. But then I threw it back at him. I said, but you know what? Walmart, all they want is your money. Target, all they want is your money. You go to Target, you go to Walmart, yeah. Well, why do you go there? All they want is your money. Right? People actually pay to entice you to take your money. And, uh, but... But most, most pastors are afraid to talk about money. I'm not. You know why? Because God wasn't afraid to talk about money. In fact, out of, out of, all, of this, all of the scriptures, you've got 500 verses that deal with prayer. A little over 500 that deal with faith. But over 2,000 scriptures that deal with money. Here's why. Because finances and faith are connected. How you handle your money, how you steward your money, and discipleship, and your journey with God, they're connected. And so we, we're beginning this year believing that this year, that 2019, is a year of Jesus' victories in the big areas of our lives. Every area. In fact, Zephaniah 3.17 is kind of our verse for the year. And so if we can say this out loud together, it's on the screen behind me. Let's say this out loud. The Lord your God wins victory after victory and is always with you. He celebrates and sings because of you. And he will refresh your life with his love. Come on, somebody. We're believing that a Jesus victory is waiting for you this year in the big areas of your lives. And so, you know, we start off the series and talking about how that every new year usually brings two strong emotions with it to, to most people. I know for me, it's been my, it's been my, uh, uh, my history that a new year brings two strong emotions and those emotions are regret and resolution. And most of the things that we regret when we begin a new year is the, are the areas of faith, of family, and of finances. And so for, for this month, we're, we, we started a new, the, the new series, a, a victory series, where we're believing Jesus for victories in the area of finances. And so um, for those of you, again, who have not registered online, that is something that we want to give to you. Pastor Gary Cassie is going to join us this Saturday for a financial revolution conference. It's free to you. We're even providing lunch. That's why we need you to go online and register so we know how much food to get. But he's going to be with us on Saturday for the conference, and then he's going to come on Sunday, and he'll be with us next Sunday as well. So... We owe it to you. Week one, we talked about we owe it to you to come clean. We owe it to you 
to come clean. And during that message, I actually came clean with you, and I shared with you our financial history and our financial story. And one of the things that I learned is that the bigger the mess, the bigger the miracle. We were not in a good place financially, but what we like to say is that God didn't bail us out. It wasn't all God, and it wasn't all us. It was God and us working together. Last week, week two, we talked about we owe it to you to break the curse. And we talked about the tithe. And one of the things we said about the tithe is that the tithe is not law to us. The tithe is life to us. And we challenged you, many of you, to do the 90-day tithe challenge. In other words, on February 1st, begin on February 1st to tithe for the next 90 days to see what God will do in and through your life as you take that step and that challenge. And we talked about how that when I tithe, I take the curse off of my money. I take the curse, the spirit of mammon, off of my money, and I place God's spirit on my money. Because the principle in the scriptures is that when the first is holy, the rest becomes holy. When you take the first of anything and you give it to God, it becomes holy. The rest, not only the thing that you give to God becomes holy, but it makes the rest holy. We talked about how Jesus Christ was the, God's tithe. Jesus Christ was God's tithe. We were unholy. We were unrighteous. And so how do we become holy? How do we become righteous? Through the tithe. Jesus Christ was the tithe. He was the first fruit. He was the firstborn. And God gave him so that we, as we receive him, can become holy. And God makes that which is unholy holy or that which is unrighteous righteous. How? Through the tithe. And we do the same thing. We take the curse off of, our, off of our money and put God's spirit on it when we tithe. And so today we want to talk about, we owe it to you to have the conversation. And here's why all of us need to lean in this morning. Here's why we all need to lean in. Consider this. Consider that roughly 62.4% of American adults carry credit card debt balances. 64% of us, 62% of us, that's not just the world, that's those of us in this room, those watching online, 62% of us, we have credit card debt balances. Consider that 49% of Americans are concerned, anxious, or fe fearful about their current financial well-being. Consider that one out of every three of Americans, 32%, maintain a household budget. Only one out of every three. Consider that Americans hold over, watch this, over $1 trillion in credit card debt. And we spend a lot of time bashing our government for the debt that it has, yet we've not taken care of our own homes. We as a nation, not the government, but we the people, are too much in debt. We owe over $1 trillion in just credit card debt. Doesn't include mortgage. Doesn't include car loans. This is credit card debt. Doesn't include school loans. And these aren't just numbers. Because behind every statistic, there's a family. And behind every family, there's a person. And behind every person, there's a name. These are our neighbors. These are our friends. These are our coworkers. This is people in our church. This is us. And this is sad. And it should not be. 
because this is not God's best for you. This is not God's plan for you. God wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants you to be in, in health and in wealth even as your soul is prospering. Why? Because he, he's your good father and he wants to see you blessed. So today's message is we owe it to you to have the conversation. We owe it to you to talk about the money issues that most people refuse to talk about. And so go ahead and turn your Bibles just to one place today, to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 9. If you have your paper Bible, go ahead and turn there, Luke 16, 9. Those watching online, you can click on, uh, if you've if you're got your Bible online or your smart device, click on Luke 16, 9, or turn to Luke 16, 9. We're going to read a few verses beginning with verse 9 down through verse 15. Here's what the Bible says. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. We learned what mammon was last week. That when you fail, and if you mark your Bible, circle that word fail. That when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. We'll explain that in just a minute. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Underline that sentence. You cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. He goes on to say, because you'll be either loyal to one and despise the other. You'll have a love relationship with one and a hate relationship with the other. Now, the Pharisees, who were lovers of money, right, they were lovers of mammon, also heard all of these things, and they derided him. And he said to them, verse 15, last verse, he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. Right? You know why? Because because finances... Treasure, money, resources, and your heart are connected. God knows your heart, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. So one of the things that we've learned is we learned that the tithe is 10. The tithe means testing, or it means it's the number 10, but it means testing or maturity. And that the tithe is the first 10, or the first 10%. We learned that about the tithe. Here's something that I've heard people say. Well, pastor, I tithe, and it doesn't seem like tithing works for me. I tithe, and nothing seems to happen. And here's what I want you to understand. For the tithe to work in your life, there must be stewardship there must be stewardship i'm the steward a steward simply means oh it simply means manager so when i give god the tithe i have a responsibility to steward the rest the tithe belongs to god it it, it is his and then i manage the rest or i steward the rest in other words i am not the owner of the 90% 
I am not the owner, not just money, of all of the resources that we have, my home, my vehicle, everything that I have, every, what, even what I wear, it does not belong to me, it belongs to God. And so I have a responsibility to steward the remainder of what I have, to steward it well. I'm the manager of it. God is the owner. I'm the manager. And so for the tithe to work in your life, it's tithing plus stewardship. Tithing plus stewardship. Now here's what I want you to understand. God wants to prosper you. Why? Because the purpose of prosperity, and write this down, this isn't the first point, but it's an important statement. The purpose of prosperity is to win souls. Do you realize that it takes large money to do the work of the ministry? I mean, isn't it interesting that the devil uses large money to do his work? When it comes to pornography and drug addiction and all the vices that are out there, you know, we talk about this region and this community like we're so broke and things are so bad. Well, there's a gambling casino just a few miles up from here. You know what they brought in last year in operating income? Over $10 million. And if the devil uses large money to do his bidding and his work, why do we get upset when, 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 when God wants to bring the church, wants to bring you, not the building, but his people, large money, to do the work of the ministry? Listen, God wants to prosper his people so that we can win souls. The purpose of prosperity is not a bigger house. It's not a fifth car. It's not the $1,000 red shoes. It's to win souls. I'm not saying you can't have that stuff, but the purpose of prosperity is to win souls. Not just money, but even our stuff. And once you figure that out, that, the, that, that, that provision is tied to vision in your life. You know why most of us struggle financially? Because we don't know our purpose. We don't know our assignment. What are we called to do? And so we live life when it comes to our resources, our stuff, our money, our houses, our cars. We live life like we're just walking aimlessly. And we work nine to five jobs. We're in this rat race. And we're living for, to try to make a living. But when you get into God's kingdom and understand that you have a calling, you have an assignment, you have a God-given vision, you begin to realize that all of the provision is to accomplish that vision. When my wife and I got a hold of this, it set us free. Because here, here's, how we ha here's how we're handling looking for a new home, right? So, so, how, so here we are with the Riveras, and, and by the way, we were already planning on moving before we even came here. The only difference is we wanted to live five minutes from the church. We wanted to buy a home five minutes from the church where we used to pastor. Well, guess what? Those plans changed. Now we want to... We want to find a home five minutes from this church. Now, we currently actually do live five minutes from this church, but we live in an area of town that, that we, we, would, we, we wouldn't be able to take out the investment that we would put into our local home because the market is not going up. It's only going down. So it would not be a smart investment. It's not my money. It's God's money. And I don't want to be the servant that blows God's investment. That blows his money, right? So, 
So how, how do we make a decision on what kind of house we have? And if you don't understand that your resources are tied to your assignment, if you don't understand the purpose of prosperity, you usually go to one of two extremes. Either A, I'm going to get the nicest, baddest, biggest, you know, sweetest house there is. I'm going to show the world that we're just, you know, we're doing great. I pastor a great church, and we're going to go all out. Six bedrooms, four and a half baths, everything. Or we're going to go this extreme. Well, no, I'm going to be the picture of humility. And we're going to get a little bungalow with one and a half bedrooms. Our girls will share a room. And, and, and when you come, you're going to say, wow, our pastor is so humble. He is the picture of Jesus who did not even have a, a pillow to lay his head on. Those are usually the two extremes pastors and leaders struggle with. Well, guess what? It's neither one of those. Because the kind of house we get is determined by our assignment. What has God called us to do? That's the kind of house God wants us to get because it will accomplish our assignment. The same is true for our resources, our cars, everything that we have. The purpose of prosperity is to win souls. We're going to take money and we're going to win souls with it. Now, doesn't it make sense why the God of mammon, the God of greed, the God of selfishness, the devil, Satan himself, doesn't want us to tie, doesn't want us to give? Tells us we can't afford it, to hold it back. Why? Because he knows that the money that we give is going to win souls. You see, the money that we gave today, it's going to win souls. No wonder there's a, always a spiritual warfare going on every time the offering is received. There's stuff happening in your brain, and there's that warfare, and there's a voice saying, they don't need your money, you shouldn't give, and fear sets in. There's a spiritual warfare because the devil knows that we're going to take this offering and this money, and we're going to win souls with it. Why is there always that spiritual warfare? Because souls are hanging in the balance. Jesus, in the scriptures that we just read, he said, make yourself friends with unrighteous mammon. Take money, take your resources, that's cursed. Make it holy, make it righteous. It's unrighteous, but make it righteous. Be, be good stewards of it. Learn how to handle money. And he said, so that when you fail, remember I asked you to circle that word? Here's what it means. So that when you die, be a good steward of your money so that when you die, they would welcome you into eternal habitations. What's that talking about? He's saying, I want you to be shrewd and I want you to understand how to, how to use money and how it's attached to your purpose. I want you to learn how to handle money well. Why? So that when you die and make it to heaven, you'll have people up there saying, because of your giving, that's why I'm here today. Because of your giving to missions and your giving to Victory Company, Passion Ministries. There'll be people from China and Africa and Indonesia and South America and Asia saying, thank you for giving because when you gave, the missionary came or the team came and I'm in heaven today because you gave. That's what that verse is talking about. Come on, give God praise for just a moment. No wonder there's a struggle every week you get paid and the devil doesn't want us to tithe or to give. 
No wonder he wants the spirit of mammon to stay on our, on our money. Greed, selfishness, it's all about me. But here's three things I want to share with you very quickly in this message. Number one, how do I steward the rest is the question. So how do I steward the rest? If it's not tithing by itself, but it's tithing and stewardship, how do I steward the rest? And I want to give you three things. This isn't exhaustive. There, there's some other principles and some other things that we can learn. That's why we're offering you the Financial Revolution Conference. And we're bringing Pastor Gary in next week. There's so much more that you can learn. But let me give you three things that I think are very, very, very important. And, and this is, these are three things that my wife and I, we had to do to get us to the place where we are today. We were broke as a joke living paycheck to paycheck, foreclosure letters, shut-off notices. We were ashamed. We were embarrassed. No one knew about it. And we were stressed. And then seven years ago, listening to a 20-minute video of Pastor Gary Cassie on the Sid Roth program completely transformed our life. 20 minutes, that's it. Listen to me, we've not read another book of his, we've not listened to another sermon of his, we've not downloaded any of his CDs, just 20 minutes, and we're giving you a full day conference. Imagine what God can do in your life this month and this year in this big area of finances. But these three things we had to do, and they're biblical. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Online folks, come on, grab your pencil, grab your pad, write this down. Number one, if you're not taking notes... Everybody online, say it out loud. If you're not taking notes, all right. Number one, know your stuff. Know your stuff. I could say it another way. Have a budget. For those of you that don't like that word, make a plan. Have a plan. Budget freaks some of you out. Again, only one-third of Americans have a budget. Listen to me. I believe that 100% of followers of Jesus should have a plan for their money. Know your stuff. When it comes to financial management, working on your financial management, you've got to know your stuff. Do you know how much money you have in your account right now? Do you know, I mean, most of us know what our income is. But what are your expenses? How much did you pay to go out to eat last month? Christmas happens every year. The same date, the same time of year, yet most of us live life like it surprises us. And Christmas rolls around and we don't have money because we don't know our stuff. Know your stuff. What are your debts? When, if you lived like my wife and I did for many, many, many years, we didn't know our stuff. You know why? Because we were afraid to know our stuff. So get rid of that spirit of fear. Get some backbone up in you. Get some courage and begin to know your stuff. Know how much you owe. Know how much you're in the rears. Know. Balance it all out. How much do you owe? What's your debt? Know your stuff. Many of us make decisions based on what we think about our finances and not on what we know about our finances. And there's a huge difference. Listen to me. One scenario leads to ruin and one leads to prosperity. 
Do you have a budget? Do you have a plan? And if you don't, you have to know your stuff. Why am I telling you this? Because I love you. Having a plan or not having a plan. One way leads to ruin. Another way leads to, to prosperity. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 23. Let's read that together. Not out loud, but just look at it. In your Bibles or on the screen. Here's what Proverbs 27, 23 says. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, the lambs will provide you with clothing and the goats with the price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed you and your family and to nourish your servant girls. In other words... He's saying, know the condition of your flocks. I hear what you're saying. Pastor, we don't have flocks. It's the 21st century in America. Okay, I get it. Scratch that out and put in, know the condition of your money. Know your stuff. Because when you do, it leads to prosperity. Not only will you have enough for you, but you'll have enough for your family. And servant girls, what's that all about? You'll be able to have enough for others. Some of you may think, I don't have any flocks. He's talking about money. It's dollar bills. He sa- and it's, here's what he says. He says, be sure. This is an imperative. This is a command. You cannot make informed decisions when we think we've got to know. Know your stuff. I can't tell you how many times when we live life broke financially, broken in spirit, because our spirit was broken Our finances were broken. When we lived that way, when we didn't know our stuff, what would happen is we would spend and then be surprised that we bounced another check. You know why? Because we didn't know our stuff. We thought we had this in there, but we didn't know what we had in our account. We've got to know. We can't just think. We have to know. And then he adds this. Give careful attention. Give careful attention. Often our finances receive the least amount of careful attention, yet we've already determined that our financial management, it's a faith issue. Finances and faith are connected. Stewardship and discipleship are connected. If you're a Christ follower, listen to me, we need to give careful attention to our finances so that we give careful attention to our faith. What I am submitting to you is that your faith and your finances are not separate issues. They are one issue. Stewardship and discipleship go hand in hand. Faith and finances go hand in hand. And so know your stuff. Give careful attention to your finances because in doing so, you're giving careful attention to your faith. Why? Riches don't endure forever, it says. It doesn't endure forever. You know, our country is in a financial 
crisis. Now, I know that some things have turned around. There's some things, you know, they say the stock market is up. People are finding jobs now, and depending on who you hear, it's who gets the credit for that, or if it's just a facade, if it's just all smoke and mirrors. Who knows? But here's what we do know. We're still trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. Our financial system, and if you listen to most economists, they're saying that the bubble is going to burst, that we're going to experience something not akin to, but even worse than the Great Depression. You know, so we don't know. It's volatile. Here's what we do know. Our government is in crisis in the area of finances. And during times of crisis, you better know what you're working with. Because crisis, a crisis will shake loose all unknowledgeable spending and poor financial decisions so that the only thing that remains is the legitimate state of your finances. So if you're loose with your money, guess what? In a moment of crisis, it's gone. If you know the condition of your flocks, you'll remain stable and steady. You'll have plenty. The wisdom writer says you will have plenty. Because when you plan, when you know your stuff, when you budget, you tell your money what to do and where to go instead of your money telling you what to do and where to go. All the dollar bills I have in my pocket, all the dollar bills I have in my wallet, my wife has in her purse, in our bank accounts, guess what? We tell them what to do and where to go. You know why? Because we know our stuff. When you don't have a plan, your dollar bills tell you what to do and tell you where to go. If you don't know your stuff, your dollars will tell you to go borrow from an institution or to go borrow from a family and a friend. And guess what happens when you begin to borrow? It changes the relationship. And the Bible tells us, Proverbs 21.5, it says that the plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty, planning is always better because it leads to profit. No budget planning equals poverty. And we learned that the hard way. Thank God we turned it around. I can tell you right now what we owe on all of our credit cards. All of them. Zero. I can tell you what comes in. I could tell you what goes out. I could tell you where we're at in our bank account. I could tell you where we're at in our retirement. Because we know our stuff. And we tell our dollars where to go, not the other way around. Number two, very important. Very important. And again, these three things my wife and I did. Number one, know your stuff. Number two, knock out debt. Knock out debt. Debt in America has gotten slightly out of hand, just slightly. Many economists call our state of financial fears in America the credit crisis. It's way too detailed to explain in 30 minutes, so I'm not going to go, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to, but essentially it comes down to this. There's not enough, listen, there's not enough credit going around to sustain the American way of life. And credit, plain and simple, is borrowing money. It's creating debt. 
I want us to look at one theological principle when it comes to debt. And let me also throw out this disclaimer. All of you watching online, those of you that are here, let me throw this disclaimer out to you. Listen, while we talk about living debt-free, and that's what we're going to talk about, living debt-free, this isn't an indictment on anyone. This isn't an indictment on you. This isn't condemnation. It's simply a challenge for a new way of life and a new way of thinking about credit and debt. Okay, so this is an indictment, right? So let me ask you this question. Can you imagine if you were to, if you were to, if you were to know your stuff and, and build a budget, make a plan, you've got your income, any sources of income, your job, other streams of income. That's a completely different topic that we won't have time to handle during this series. But man, that would be a great series. I, I believe that God's people should have more than one stream of income. Now that's something that my wife and I are still working out. And I don't feel comfortable preaching that if we're not modeling that. But once we get a different source of income other than what we get here at the church, then I'll preach that to you. How about that? So, but if you, but if you, if you, if you did a plan, all of your income and then all of your expenditures, right, utilities and whatever else you have, and then all of your debt, all that stuff. Imagine this. Imagine if in the debt column you had a big fat zero in it. Debt. I'm talking about no credit card debt, no school loans, no car loans, and even no mortgage. Imagine if it was a big fat zero. Can I tell you something? A, a, a family that attends our church who was affected by the shutdown in, um, in General Motors Lordstown, one family, the husband came to me and said, I asked him, what are you going to do? Because everyone, you know what everyone else is doing, right? They're, they're talking about, and listen, I, I need to say this in a way, I, I'm not indicting anyone. I'm just making a point. This family that I'm talking about, they have no mortgage. They got rid of all their debt years ago. So consequently, that shutdown or money is not telling them where to go. What's he going to do? Pastor, I'm just going to stick around here. Because now he's, listen, follow this. He's given room for God to speak louder than mammon in his life. Why is debt-free important? Because when you're living life debt-free, you give God space to speak versus mammon to tell you where you're going to go and what you're going to do. I can't tell you if you're in debt out of your eyeballs and if, if you lost your job at GM, listen, we want you to stay, but if you've got to go to Tennessee or you've got to go somewhere else, you've got to go. But I want families to be debt-free so that when stuff happens, we are not led by circumstances. We're led by God. And the way that happens is that when we do biblical principles that are for our benefit. But listen, let me back. Um, let me, I, I, I just went off on a tangent. Imagine if you had a zero in your debt column. Imagine that you had no debt. Imagine that. How much money would you be able to save every month? How much money could you spend every month? Maybe the most pressing question for you as a person of faith is, how much money can you give every month? I found that most followers of Jesus are generous. Because when we're born again, we're born with the nature of the God that saved us. And he is a very generous God. And most of us, majority of us, we are generous. But you know why we're not? It's not because we don't want to. It's because we can't. 
The Bible says to be generous in every occasion. Not just when you hear an emotional story. Not just when it makes sense, it's a good investment. Not when someone strong arms you. It says be generous in every occasion. And you know what? I want to live that way. You want to live that way. But we can't. It's not God telling us we can't. It's mammon. It's poor stewardship saying you can't be generous. It's our dollars telling us that. But imagine how generous you could be if you had zero debt. If you were completely debt free. You realize you can actually be, you could be extremely wealthy in just a few years. Do you realize that there's a good percentage of millionaires, listen, listen to this, there's a good percentage of millionaires today that make less than $90,000 a year. They're millionaires. The problem for many of us is that we don't see a way to live without debt. That's because we're taught from a very early age that credit is good, it's quick, it provides perceived prosperity. That's why credit card companies spend over $600 billion each year in just marketing. Citibank spends an average of $10 million in marketing just to college students. That's how much they spend. Because they found a place to invest their money to get the greatest return. You. They found that you will give them 18%, sometimes even more, interest on the money that they lend you. You tell me where I can find an institution that will give me that kind of return on my money. I think I was lucky to find a savings account for my bank that gave me 0.5%. I mean, that's what they're touting. You invest your money with me, and you'll get point something percent. Credit card companies, they spend billions of dollars saying, give me, take, use our money, take our money, we'll invest it in you, because you're, you're, they're getting interest from you. Debt. Turn with me to Proverbs 22.7. We've got to wrap things up. Here's what the wisdom writer says. He says this about debt. The rich rule over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. Give me just five more minutes. Three more minutes. You guys okay? This is good, isn't it? I'm having fun. The borrower borrower is servant to the lender. Did you read that? The borrower is servant to the lender. Whenever you borrow money, listen to me, whenever you borrow money, credit card, your furniture, the car loan, whenever you borrow money from a friend, a family member, a bank, whenever you borrow money, you become a slave to the institution or the person that lent you the money. It changes the relationship. You become a slave, which means they become your master. Do you see why Jesus emphatically said, you cannot serve God and mammon? 
because you will either hate the one and love the other or despise the one and be drawn to the other. Now think this through with me. Again, this is not an indictment. The majority of us sitting in this room watching our line, we have debt. We've got debt. I've got a mortgage. Now, I'll be speaking with my financial planner. You know, the, the, our government has made it so that those of us clergy, there's a benefit for us to have a mortgage when it comes to our finances. I don't understand it all, but there's a part of me that wants to get out from under a mortgage eventually. You know where the word mortgage comes from? I'm Latin. I'm Latino, so I know this stuff. Mortgage comes from the Latin word that means, you ready? Death. Think about that. I've got a mortgage. I've got two mortgages. We have death over our home. We've got two deaths over our home. Now, again, this is not an indictment. Here, here's my point. When we have debt, we've got a master, and it's not God. Because the borrower is slave to the lender. Now, if you're here and you're feeling convicted, hopefully you're not feeling condemned, you're not feeling indicted, here's the point. The plan is we've got to knock out debt. You have to get debt free. Why? Because that's God's plan for you. That's his best for you. But how in the world can we do it? I'm telling you, listen to me. Please, please listen to me. If we can do it, you can do it. You don't know how bad it was. I was the worst. It was so bad. I, I, feel, like, I feel like the guy that was addicted to either a drug or pornography that was so lost that he didn't see any way out. And yet God did a miracle. And they're standing on the stage saying, if God did it for me, he can do it for you. That's how I feel about in this area of finances. Folks, it was bad bad and I had lost hope not in God but in me asked my wife I told her I can't do this year after year we tried to turn over a new leaf we tried a new plan we did everything but it didn't work if I can do it you can do it and God's best for you is to knock out debt how do I do that pastor how do I do it listen you've got to know your stuff stop being afraid of finding out where you are write it down have a plan And if you're in debt and you've got things like cable, you, 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 you spend so much money on entertainment, you go out and eat, guess what it's going to mean? It's going to mean you stop going out and eating. You get rid of your 60, 70. We've never had cable. Now, listen, this is, a pers this is personal. I'm not throwing conviction on you. I'm not. If you've got cable and you can afford it and you're okay with it, keep it. Not us. We've never had cable. We've never had cable. And one of the reasons is because when we realized, listen, when we realized that for every dollar you give to missions, that accounts for 2.5 people coming to Jesus Christ, I looked at that $50, $60, cable bill. That's how they start you off at, by the way, $60. And then two years from now, it's $550. When I realized that I can take this money 
and win souls with it instead of just providing. I'm okay with 21 and 27 and 33. And thank God they just threw in recently 27.2 and Fox. Now I get Fox and I've got four PBS stations. I've got cable without cable. But listen, you've got to get rid of debt. You, you're going to have to do the hard things and get rid of stuff that's eating away at your money and begin to snowball the debt. How do I do that? You've got to know your stuff, put everything on paper, look at your greatest debt outside of your mortgage, and begin taking care of that first. If it's your student loan, it's whatever, it's $500 a month, and that's your greatest monthly debt payment, pay, be aggressive to pay it off. Get rid of cable, stop going out and eat, eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, come to our food, food program here at the church, do whatever you need to do to get rid of that largest debt while you're paying off the, while you're paying your monthly payments on the other debts. Once you get rid of that debt, that free money is not your money. It belongs to someone else until you get rid of all the debt. Take whatever you paid on that large payment and add it to the next largest payment and begin a snowball effect. That's what we did. And within just a couple of years, we got rid of our credit card. We got rid of our student loans. We got rid of all of our debt. And today, we're, we're, we're a lot further off than where we were. You have to knock out, knock out debt. Know your stuff. Knock out debt. And now we close. You can play the mood music. I'm passionate about this. Listen, I love you. I want to see you free in this area. Here's the last thing, number three. Number one is know your stuff. Number two, knock out debt. Number three, you know, it's going to start with a K. Know yourself. Know yourself. How do you respond and react to money? Everybody's different here. In fact, if you've got a spouse in your family... Chances are your spouse responds to money differently than you do. Know yourself. How do you respond under moments of pressure? Here's what the Bible says, Lamentations 3.40. Let us examine our ways and test them, and let us return to the Lord. Know yourself. Because here, here's, here's, here's the way I'm wired, and I asked my wife permission if I can share with you how she's wired. But let me share with you first how I'm wired. When it comes to money, because of how, how I grew up, we didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot growing up. In fact, I remember, I remember our little church, our Royal Rangers, we were going swimming at the YMCA, YWCA downtown. And our ranger leader told us as kids, hey, get, get money because after we go swimming, we're going to grab dinner at McDonald's. And I remember as a little kid, we didn't have a lot. And I remember my parents gave me five bucks. And you know, as a kid, when you go swimming, what happens after you're swimming for two or three hours? You're starving. You're hungry because you're not thinking. When you're a kid, you're not thinking about food. You just want to, you're going nuts swimming. And I remember we're leaving the Y and I'm starving and we're hungry and we go to the McDonald's. And I remember I had the $5 bill in my pocket and I never spent it. I went back home and I gave it back to my mom and dad. Because as a kid, I knew things were tight. I stuck on a couple of ketchup packets. My mom and dad, I think it was my dad, my mom yelled at me. She said, you know, they called me Junito. She said, Junito, we gave you this money for you to spend. They felt bad. But I, I, I grew up with that kind of brokenness when it came to money. There's never enough. 
And so when I got older and I started making money of my own, guess what? I had no problem spending my money. No problem spending my money. I'm going to get stuff I'd never had. And so my proclivity, my, my, my default mode is to spend money as fast as I get it. Not only that, my default mode, if, if, I, if, I'm, if something happens and I'm emotionally, um, you, you know, pe- people talk about stress eating. I'm a stress shopper. There's something broken in me that, that there's, I get a momentary fix. I feel good momentarily when I make a purchase. And so that's some of you, isn't it? And so, but here's the point. I know myself. I'm, I'm, I, know, I know that if I'm not careful, and guys, I'm sorry, but I'm going to out you. Guys, I'm going to out you right now. I know that if I'm not careful, I can have a lot of secret money that my wife knows nothing about and feel okay with it. So whenever I get something, whenever something gets into my hand because I know myself, I, I examine my ways and I test them and I return to the Lord, one of the first things I've got to do is I say, honey, look what I just got. Just want you to be aware of it. And it goes to the family. It goes to fulfill our assignment. It's God's money. It's not mine. But if I'm not careful, I can pocket it and not say anything so that I can secretly buy stuff. I know myself. I, I know it's a little bit late, but I've got to share this story with you it's for you to get the point. A number of years ago, we were already on our financial journey of freedom. And it was one of those days where we were sitting down and doing our budget for the week. And after we had worship and everything, my wife came to me and she said, honey, um, it's going to be a very tight week this week. I don't know that we can give to missions this week. We're going to have to skip it. And here I am, I'm the man of faith. I said, oh, no, we're not skipping missions. When you take care of God's world, God will take care of your home. We're not skipping missions. She looked at me in the eye and said, honey, okay, either our kids eat or we give to missions. And I said, well, God wants my kids to eat. But he also, I also want to have faith to give to missions. And so I, I said, honey, here's what we'll do. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll feed the kids. We'll feed the kids. But can we do this? Can we just... Can we write a check in faith? We won't put it in, but can we write it in faith? This is on a Thursday, Thursday. Can we write a check in faith for our missions dollar amount and believe that by Sunday, God will get this money to us somehow? And that's what we agreed upon. We were going to feed our family, and we were going to write a check out by faith and only give it when God came through. So we did that. Sunday rolls around. That Sunday, for some reason, God puts it on my heart to receive a special second offering. And we do that. I totally forget about what we talked about on Thursday, that mission stick. I totally forgot about it. After service, my wife comes to me. You know, we had already gone grocery shopping and all that was fine. But she comes to me and she says, Juan, just want you to know that when you called for that second offering, I gave my la- our last $20 for the week. And immediately I was hit with, oh no, our mission's giving. It didn't come through. And I was so disappointed. I don't know if I was, I wasn't disappointed at God. I was I don't know, I, I, I wasn't praying through it. I thought it was maybe more my fault. And so that Sunday, I'm going away for a trip. And so I'm cleaning out my car. This is after church now. I'm cleaning out my car. And as I'm cleaning out my car, my middle council, there's a bucket where all my stuff goes in. And I figured out that day that the bucket comes out. And there's a compartment underneath. 
Well, I reach in there to clean it out, and I feel, I feel paper. I grab a $5 bill out. I got five bucks. I fill down there again, and then I fill an envelope, and it's thick. I pull the envelope out, and there's cash. Lots of cash. It was an envelope that I had lost up the previous year while we were on vacation. It was our spending cash when we were on vacation. I thought I lost it. It fell out of the car or something. I didn't lose it. It was in the car for a whole year. When I pull it out and I count it, guess what? It was twice the amount of our missions pledge for that week. Praise God. But, but I, I'm, 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 sh- I'm sharing with you how I'm wired. And, and that's why I share that whole story to tell you. I had this thought. I can keep this money and not tell my wife. I could pocket it, and this week I can go buy some things that I want. And then just like that, I said, I better run in the house and tell my wife the miracle that God did. And I did. Before I gave a second thought to that brokenness, I ran in. I said, honey, look what God did. He not only gave us our missions money, but he gave us twice the amount of what we needed. And we had Sunday night service, so guess what? I didn't, God didn't miss. I didn't miss. Sunday night we went to church with our missions offering. But oftentimes we lose the miracle because we don't know ourselves. My wife is wired differently. She's the last person she'll spend money on. She thinks of others before herself. But if she's not careful, her issue is not spending. Her issue is hoarding. Her issue is, I've got to keep it close. I've got to hold it tight or we may not have enough. See, she knows herself. There's people in here, people watching online, you have $100,000 in your bank account, and maybe you don't have debt, but you still have a money problem. You walk in fear. You hold it tight. God is not the master of your money. God is not the master in your life. You want to serve God. You want to love God. But it's like you just, you walk in fear. And God wants to set you free. You've got to know yourself. Know your stuff. Knock out debt. Know yourself. Last thing I'm going to share with you, and this is it. We owe it to you to have the conversation. I've got one more thing that I want to give you before we leave. You already know we're giving you a free financial revolution conference. Here's something else we're giving you. Listen, lean in. Those of you watching online, lean in. We want to give any families or any individual that wants it free financial counseling. Pastor Gary Cassie and his team are going to offer a one-time sit-down financial counseling session for anyone who wants it at no charge to you. It'll be a moment where you come in and you meet personally, one-on-one with financial counselor and you'll, you have to bring in all of your, you're gonna have to bring your stuff. What do you make? What are your debts? What are your expenses? You're gonna make a plan and listen to me, watch this. They're gonna set you up with a plan, for the majority of you, where you will be debt-free 
in five to seven years without increasing your income, and that includes your mortgage. Did you just hear me? Without increasing your income, they're going to set you up on a plan to get rid of all debt, including your mortgage, within five to seven years. And we want to give that to you, and you'll be able to sign up at the conference. Listen, there's no gimmicks involved in that. There really isn't. We've done this before with them, and it's exactly what it is. One time, free financial counseling, they will go through all of your monies, and they will set you up to walk in financial freedom because that's God's best for you. That's God's plan for you. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. I'm so sorry I kept you this late. I don't know. I mean, what, what, else, what else do we have to do? Snow our, plow, plow our driveway and shovel our driveways? Come on. Hallelujah. Listen, we want to pray for those of you who need prayer for any reason. So if any of our prayer team, and I'm sure that some of our staff as well will join you. Um, honey, can you join me? And if, um, if we can have some of our staff come up and any of our prayer team come as well, keep your eyes open. We're going to bless you in just a moment. So those of you that need prayer for any reason, we want to pray for you today. All right, so if you need prayer, you just come on up and we'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Keep your eyes open as we bless you and release you today. Remember, sign up, free financial conference this Saturday. Go online, sign up, be a part of it. And, um, and so we'll get more information about that free financial counseling to you at the conference. You can sign up for free for that as well. And that will be wonderful. But keep your eyes open as we bless you. At the end of this blessing, you'll be released to come and receive prayer. All of our friends and family watching online as well, we're going to bless you. So stay tuned in. Friends and family of Victory Christian Center, we throw this blessing on you. We toss it on your life. May God be gracious to you and keep you. May he fill your life with his goodness. May the Lord himself bless you and keep you in all that is his. May he keep you in all of your ways and in every which way, physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and financially. May you know the freedom that comes with Jesus' victories. Not only the freedom of your spirit, but the freedom of your soul and the freedom of living debt-free. May God bless you in every area. May you leave here filled with the grace of God and the faith of God and courage to know your stuff, to knock out debt, and to know yourself. We bless you today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Love you. God bless you. Listen, drive carefully on the way home. Our online family, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful, wonderful Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. Remember, if there's an event in your community, go out and attend and be a part of it. We love you. God bless you.